Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. Just focus. Focus on your inner chakra. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Research VR, where we dig deep beyond the realms of virtual reality. Today we are at the CBIT 2017 in Hanover. This is the biggest IT fair in the world. And there are a lot of interesting VR startups here as a whole VR hole. Yeah, a whole VR hole, as it sounds, is actually in the middle of this huge big fair. And we have a lot of different startups here. One of them is VR Engineers. And today we are not only joined by the usual co-host, Christopher Zdebski. Yo. And me, Peter Lekov, but also by Bolchak Marek. Welcome. Thank you. Now, we have here a lot of different software companies, but the VR engineers build their own VR headset. Is it right? Yeah, that's correct. And how? Um, what are the specs? What makes it so special? We are focused on delivering the best possible image. So you can really feel like the next version, next uh, next generation mm -hmm. of virtual reality headsets will look like. Yeah. Now, before we go more into the details, how it's built and why you decided to build it, what's your background? I have finished uh, cybernetics. So basically, uh, me and all my colleagues, we are friends from university. We had to learn how to, how to design PCB boards as well as how to program. Uh, different applications and when you combine those and a lot of other stuff uh, you get quite a lot of capabilities to build your own hardware. When was the first time you tried VR? Like four years ago maybe. Was uh, it the DK1 or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting DK1. I heard from my friend that it will be awesome mm -hmm. and <laughs> then, <laughs> then I tried it and I was just expecting something. Miracle. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like the mm -hmm. the 80s display. So, well, I remember when Chris and me first time tried the DK1, right? It was in a certain way very impressive, right, Chris? Well, depends what your expectations were, because DK1 did feel a little like less than they promised, but in context of the whole technology and where the technology was at the time, it was impressive. Yes. It, it, you could call it like you have an iPhone moment, you could still call it Oculus moment because yeah. that's where everything changed. Yeah, and right now we are like, yeah, well, basically four years after that with a display technology that allowed you in Europe to build something that has a resolution of 5120x1440, so basically 5K, right? 5K horizontally, but it's not full 5K. It's yeah. uh, it's to be exact, uh, 2.5K mm -hmm. per each eye. What was your motivation to build your own headset? Because, mm, as most of our audience should know, there are like Star VR. There are all the different headsets that promise a higher resolution, and obviously there's a lot of headsets that don't have that amount of resolution yet. But I mean, you can buy them like Oculus, HTC Vive. So, what was the motivation? What dri what drove you there? Well, basically, I just want to enjoy the VR. That's all. <laughs> that, 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 that was basic as that. And yeah. the problem was that I was frustrated mm -hmm. uh, from everything what I could try. And I was reading a lot of uh, amazing articles, how VR mm -hmm. is great. And, and uh, you know, the public opinion seemed to be like uh, everything is okay. But yeah. I, I was not. So I just wanted something more. Mm -hmm. 
even though even though it was it was hard to achieve that so yeah but you mean here the visual quality the visual quality yeah okay and when we are thinking about the process of building your own headset i would said like i would think that you took a lot of different headsets apart and in a certain way because you must have reverse engineered or you potentially must have reverse engineered who knows some other headsets you learned a lot of it and then you built your own um what did you learn and could you call yourself now a headset expert i will possibly never call me an expert even though i had to humble. Uh, yeah even though i had to had to learn a lot about everything yeah. inside uh, about the chips about the displays about yeah. everything what you need to combine also optics as well as the physical construction because mm -hmm. all of those are important same as the head strap because you can do whatever and when when it doesn't fit your head mm -hmm. no one will like it so so when you listen to this podcast also check the upload article we wrote because there will be a photo with a strap and it looks definitely way better than the one of the HTC Vive right now it has like all those wheels that you can calibrate it and it sits quite well but it's a huge it's a huge device totally yeah. right it's bigger than the HTC Vive it is, is the reason that it's a prototype that you have more screen or What are the reasons for that? It's it's a combination. Uh, we have higher resolution, bigger yeah. displays, a wider yeah. field of view, so it it uh, grows a bit. But also, it's based on the optical system. We are yeah. developing different optical system, which will allow us to make the device smaller, even mm -hmm. with better field of view again. Uh, but uh, right now, the one one of the problems, uh, let's say, is is the optical system size. Because to achieve mm -hmm. the clear image, yeah. you need to have certain distance between the lenses and the displays. Yes. And because a lot of people uh, has uh, lenses yeah. uh, and they, they want to enjoy uh, VR, mm -hmm. uh, we have implemented adjustable focus. So you are capable to compensate for few dioptries and it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So, so the, yeah. how did you implement that? Did you implement that mechanically so that I can move every lens separately, horizontally and away from my eyes and closer yeah, to my eyes? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. You are capable to change the distance between the lens and the screen, yeah. and you are also capable to separately adjust your uh, your IPD, so the distance between uh, your nose and each eye. This okay. is actually quite impressive because it's better than most of the manufacturers do, right? For the Gear VR, you can't change the IPA, right? And I think in the Vive, neither, right? You can't really change the distance between pupils. No, between can, between can, pupils you can, uh, but it's harder between uh, to focus. True. And um, so, did you for, so for Gear VR, you move the distance of the lenses mm -hmm. to the screen. Yeah. And yeah. for other headsets, you move the lenses away from each other by a little. But they are combined together, so you don't move them separately. separately. Yeah. But you yeah. move both of them in the same time. But did you had any field tests? Did you like went out and measured people's faces? Or how did you basically acquire the knowledge how to build it ergonomically? Uh, I, have, I have performed, let's say, a bit of survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, during which I tested different different uh, head-mounted displays uh, yes. on almost uh, 36,000 people. How did you do that? Yeah, yeah, it took about two years. How did you do that? Well, 
because okay. that was that was the yeah, first. But how? But how? How did you do it? Uh, I I start a tourist attraction. Oh my gosh! Uh, for virtual reality, and I was gathering data from that. Oh, but how did you gather data then? Did you measure the people's faces? Did you measure it from the photo? No, 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 no. We just uh, gathered the feedback on what people want to improve, ah. how they feel, and accordingly to that, we we set our priorities and goals. Okay. So, how heavy is your setup right now? Because it does look big, and I would assume it feels heavy. Uh, it is heavier than ordinary devices, for sure. Mm. Uh, however, it's not that, that heavy. It's under one kilogram. Mm -hmm. Seriously? Uh, it yeah. doesn't look like it. <laughs> I think it's because it's 3D printed. And as you described already, um, there is basically space between the screen and the lenses. Yeah, there is, there is so a lot of... It should be hollow, right? Yeah, there is a lot of, mm. a lot of air inside as well. But the point is, um, the human neck can carry quite a lot of weight. Mm. Uh, so the more important than the weight itself is the balance. That yeah. too, but uh, there is a study from NASA showing that if you, the headset has more than one and a half kilo, people will very quickly consider it uh, unusable. It. Yeah, yeah that's but true. then again, if it's well balanced, doesn't matter. I mean, but even if you well balance the headset, it will still hmm. weight one and a half. We kilo. are under that. That okay, and, and wait. it's also prototypes that you're showing, right? Yeah, it's not like full commercial no, product no, no, available. No. One thing that's also quite remarkable about it is the tracking. So I saw you have some kind of Vive tracking systems there, but you're not using the Vive tracking systems yet, I guess, for your... How's your headset actually called? A VRG. VRG. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like a G6? <laughs> no, like uh, virtual reality gear. Ah, okay. So how um, is the tracking working with a VRG? The tracking, uh, because we are focused on, on development of the head-mounted display itself, mm -hmm. because today a lot of people... I think uh, are confused about what is what uh, because yep. they are used to buy Vive or Oculus and they have everything packed up. So they have the head-mounted display, yes. they have the tracking, and the they have the controllers. Yep. But for us, it's three separated things. We mm -hmm. are focused only on uh, head-mounted displays, and therefore we are integrating different uh, trackings. What you can see here on Sebit is AR tracking, one of the most accurate uh, trackings on the mm -hmm. planet. Uh, we are also uh, used to use OptiTrack and mm -hmm. uh, we are looking forward when our uh, ordered yeah. uh, Lighthouse uh, development mm -hmm. kit will finally arrive. You're not the only so one. I we think we are also waiting. We have it. We have it already? We have the sensors already. Okay, then you might get it also very soon. I hope so. Don't expect much uh, documentation. Okay, I no, no problem with that. Uh, I mean, you're basically the guy who should figure we, it out. We, we will be able to engineer. figure it out even even with the controllers, but when we found out that we don't have to do that, it's exactly. simpler to wait. No, that's really, really impressive, because building your own hardware is, well, it's intense in terms of money and team. You told me before you have 15 people, yeah. and you're based in Prague, so Europe is in general not the cheapest place on earth. How do you finance yourself? By my myself. So the company is basically privately funded. Yeah, that's so impressive. Far. That's really impressive. When so do you plan to release the headsets then? Mm, we already have a few installations. We are not going public. Okay. Uh, we have few partners in automotive mm -hmm. because they are they are the right ones. They mm -hmm. have infrastructure, they have models, uh. and they have use cases. So do you think cinemas will play a role 
cinemas for sure in the future. Because and your competitors are clearly targeting not the industry that we are so much in love with, but rather the entertainment experience. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, wait, yeah. wait, wait. When it comes to cinema, I'm a very skeptical person because I don't see the point of going somewhere and watch with a group of people virtual reality experiences because I don't see them anymore. There is no interaction in the cinema. It's just something on my head. So you have VR cinemas based on Gear VR that I have home. Or yeah, you have but you can, you can say basically the same with the TV. Yeah. Except, no, 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 no. There is a big difference. I, I no. go to cinema. I see all the people around me. We have a group to group reaction. But I mostly don't want to see them. That's not the point right now. You're not the target group okay. of cinema. And then you have a huge screen. Okay. And with better okay. sound system that you have home. Agree. One step back. Do you want to say how much approximately the headset will cost? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, currently, it's uh, 6,000 euros. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly aimed for industry and... I mean, the TV versus cinema, the cinema is better as experience, and you would not get a 6,000 headset for your home to have it all the time. And you, you're at work, you're at grocery store, you can't be all the time physically to watch so many movies, so that kind of pays off, but a cinema could. And I mean, the cinema setup costs, I guess, in total, let's say, like for 600 That's people, it's like 6 million, and then the you calculate it, it kind the of could work, right? The question is, why should I go to cinema? Are you going... The it's more of the uh, I think we have the wrong generation business, to ask. future business case question of the VR cinema in general. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I see the use cases of your headset in other places, yeah, like arcades, like um, yeah. industries. I hope, I hope engineering simulators, uh, real, I mean, real life yeah. simulations. I mean, are you okay. sure? Are you sure that uh, okay? So in sales. In marketing, I see the full potential of the very high level of visualization. Well, let's say Audi but or Volkswagen or Daimler want to show something in their store. Why wouldn't they go for a premium headset? That yeah. makes perfect sense. I don't even have questions there. Well. That, that's self-explanatory. Well. The question is, why should an everyday engineer that wants to do a, a design validation mm -hmm. use the high-quality visual headset that is on the higher quality than the other headset. What's the use case for him of very high visualization quality? Because he can finally see what he designed. No, no kidding about that. They, they can't see the shape. They can't read uh, what's, what's uh, on, the, on the board of the car. Because the resolution okay. is so small. Yeah. yeah. So you would say that um, the higher resolution basically removes ambiguity from the image. Yeah. So when we mm -hmm. are talking on the low level of um, mockups, no, no, I mean the detailed analysis of what they see. So how would they see shapes more accurately because of the higher resolution of the screen? Mm, how would it help them? Uh, when you have uh, NURBS curve mm -hmm. and you have you have it uh, you have it uh, with with three dots instead yeah. of. 100 dots, you will see immediately that the NURBS curve with three dots is the triangle and it's not a so NURBS curve. I guess you could take the analogy from games, anti-aliasing. So basically yeah. what you're doing is hardware anti-aliasing. So let's say you have the same picture yeah. that you do in 5K and you show it on HTC Vive and on your headset. What you do is basically because of the amount of pixels, anti-aliasing happens. That means you don't see the borders and the curves. So the curves are more natural. True. You don't see the steps. Which okay. should be more pleasant. I mean, to be honest, I would here disagree with you, Chris, because you could also say, why doesn't the engineer need a full HD screen 
Let's give him just 600 by 400 pixels. I didn't say that I, mean, I am totally disagreeing. I um, just want to understand like it's, it's why argument, yeah. the visual information yeah, yeah, is I understand you are, you are challenging the yeah. usage. Challenging. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's so obvious that we need more pixels that I don't even want to challenge that. I would what challenge about colors? Okay, what about colors? Yeah. Um, the, how does your headset compare uh, with the colors that you can produce to other headsets? Well... I never never measured that yet. Okay. Oh yeah, sRGB and other standards. I mean, you kind of want to have the same color on the cars in real life, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because we can we can measure uh, the colors uh, separately only with screens. Yeah. That, that's okay to do. But yeah. when you put the optics in front, you yes. always have uh, distortion yeah. and color. Uh, yeah. It might change, right? Yeah, Co mm. color is changing, and therefore, therefore, it's hard to measure after it gets out from the optical system. Speaking about distortions, can you tell us more about your lenses? Because I tried out the headset, I put it on my mm -hmm. face, and there is only a distortion on the side borders of That's the lens, true. as far as I could have noticed in a short time. So it looks similar to the DK2 distortion on the borders, right? Uh, really? No, I not really. Mm, no. no, I don't know. But but the lenses are closer to DK2 than mm. than to CV1 for sure. I mean, the CV1 lenses are very expensive, right? It would cost most likely you double the amount of money to build the. What are they called? Fresco or Fresno lenses? Yeah, Fresno, Fresno lenses. lenses. Yeah. There are plastic lenses. Mm. Um, what was the biggest problem building the headset? What was the toughest issue they had to solve? Getting the parts from China, putting it together, integration... Mm, sourcing lenses. and documentation is always the problem when you are doing yeah. hardware. Because uh, when you are not a big brand with yeah. uh, huge funding behind you mm. and uh, capability to order 100,000 chips yeah. per month, you are unrecognizable. Mm. So you have to find uh, smart ways how to get the documentation and the yeah. chips as well. But uh, it's it's not about what's the biggest problem. It's more about you have like hundred problems, mm -hmm. and accordingly to the feedback, you are solving them in the priority which people tell you, mm. and you are just moving forward. But mm. uh, it's it's incredible amount of work. I mean, we all have supported some kind of startup here and there on Kickstarter or on other platforms, and we all know that hardware always gets delayed. It's like it always happens, and we all know that building hardware is even more difficult than building software because, as you just described, they have a difficult chain of orders. You, when you check something, it's not the right, you need to get something new. But did you also have to um, build some software? Yeah. Because yeah. your headset is basically connected to a computer and there need to be some driver, I guess, right? Some kind of controller software running on the headset. Was that difficult? Was it some? Did you use something open source or... No, no, we, we developed it from scratch as well. So we okay. developed our own library for Windows. We have developed SDK for Unity, SDK for Unreal, the basic stuff. And mm -hmm. also the algorithm compensating the distortion. So, so that means that your headset would directly work with Unity? Yeah. Mm, did you try to use your headset simultaneously with the HTC controllers? Yes. Like, and it's working? Well? Yeah. Okay. How did you make it? I yeah, I mean, I mean the controllers won't work unless the headset is connected. connected. Yeah, yeah, you have to have uh, connected uh, to HTC another computer, right? 
no to the same computer our our device as well as HTC and then the HTC works as the as the transmitter for the controllers uh, did you see the I think it was LG released their own headset that is like very similar to the HTC was it LG can I be. don't remember I have to double check it but I think during the CES it was shown so it's basically very similar to the HTC it's using the same tracking technology even the controllers look very similar mm -hmm. but just a different manufacturer so technically, you could at some point negotiate with HTC or with Wolf, whoever belongs the rights to the tracking system. That you basically have your system, but you use the controllers in the tracking system. They well, right. they so technically have an open license for tracking system now. But so the controllers right now, right yeah. now they have. But I don't know about the controllers. To be exactly. honest, exactly mm -hmm. the controllers are like a but, thing because if like they would them. be supported. I mean, you have yeah. already the whole tracking the whole system. package. Yeah, the whole yeah. package. That would be very interesting. Now, when we speak about the price. You have now small amount of parts that you ordered. Imagine someone listens to this podcast. Okay. Would, you know, he just have few minutes, few millions left. He just doesn't know what to do with them. And he comes to you and says, okay, well, I think this idea is great. Let's scale it up. If you would scale up um, your product, how do you see the price dropping? Would it be like only half because the rest is like doesn't go away? Or is the amount of devices you would produce similar to Oculus make you rather compatible with them. And, and also for our audience, we are very sorry there are drones behind us flying in a cage. It's a um, some kind of race. So when you hear this weird sounds, that's not some lawnmowers. That's actually drones flying with okay. 60, 70 kilometers per hour. And yeah, so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so there is a huge difference between price and the price. The mm. price of the production can be... Uh, very low when you do a proper amount of of the units, mm -hmm. but the price you want to sell for sure is enough. the one which should make you the most money. Does that make sense? But could you compete in some sense? Because let's say seven or eight times more expensive is okay. It's well, I understand you you have more to offer. I'm not questioning the price, but if you would you know scale up and become super big, and you would at some point you don't have to, but if you would decide. You know, okay, we want to kind of also face consumers. Could you cut it by by half? Yeah, like long term. Okay. Yeah. So but we are kind of because my question aims whether we see a trend that in ten years, because you are very innovative, there are like only a few companies that push it so far as the boundaries, and it's super awesome that you exist. And I hope you know we are talking right now. You seem to be a cool guy. I hope that your company will be the leader. You know, I I, I don't care who will be the leader. I need the headsets. But my question aims whether in ten years we will have the technology everywhere. But it seems like if you can build it with a very small team and a lot of resources uh, and not so many resources, then it seems doable, right? So that in 10 years, everyone will have such a headset. It's more important to understand who needs your headset. You know, who is Again, your, yeah. like, your market? Just like yeah. uh, Sasha Tuelny was giving a talk yesterday on how you should talk about your product. When, yes. you're, when you're thinking about your product and you want to sell your product, and yeah. which should be naturally your motivation, yeah. You should think not only or not in the first place about what does it solve, but What's the market? for whom this mm -hmm. solution is worth enough that yep. he would pay for it. Yeah. So That's the true. real question is who does need who needs the super high quality of uh, visual super high visual quality of the headset mm. when the headset is going to be released. Well, that's definitely true. But and then you fit your price there because that's going to provide you the highest income. 
Yeah, and that's where you start with the use cases from the industry, yeah, which exactly. has direct uh, revenue stream. Exactly. They know how much they can spend, and it will still be profitable mm -hmm. for their use yeah. case. You develop the best you yeah. can, and then when uh, because everyone will love it, like yeah. it, and want it, yeah. so mm. then you can spread, produce yeah. a higher volume, and go public. Mm, I agree. Mm. What's about um, the calculation amount that you need? So, I mean, 5K is basically requiring... Oh, computation. Com com more computation power, right? So, what do you use to power up your gorgeous VRG? VRG, yeah. VRG, yeah. That's a fancy name. So, right now, right now we are using, as everyone, uh, 1080 NVIDIA. One or SLI? Uh, one SLI enhanced it for sure, but mm -hmm. the, the thing is that uh, even though we have higher resolution, uh, because of that resolution, you don't need that high anti-aliasing. Mm. So, I, yeah. therefore, the the feeling from the scene It's like super is sampling, right? Yeah. So you basically, as in gaming, could use a higher resolution and then scale it down so you don't need anti-aliasing on a normal screen, you're basically doing the same just with much pixels, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So therefore, the performance is quite the same. That's quite remarkable. Why Surprising. Well, anti-aliasing is, I think, quadratic uh, in terms of calculational effort with more pixels. But why do you think there is no solution yet on the market and you are like the first or one of the first? Why don't it's you think just it's just really really hard to make it operational together okay uh, because you have when you are putting a lot of data into the screen which is movable attached to your head mm -hmm. you have problem with the cables with the band wide, oh, yeah. with the high gigahertz frequencies yes and with the noise so therefore it's hard to make it really operational it's not hard to make it in laboratory uh -huh. but it's hard to make it uh stable in the environment such as cbit that's very interesting it's actually a point i never thought about but a lot of people usually complain that their fancy 5k screens don't work properly because hdmi 1.3 doesn't support whatever they're like no proper standards right it seems yet or like very few standards for having such a huge amount of data um how did you solve it? Like, well, we, we had we had the same problem. We tested HDMI, but it just wasn't so so stable. So mm -hmm. we switched to DisplayPort. Yeah, and I could use two HDMI's. Yeah, you can, but then you will have two problems oh, <laughs> instead of one. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, multiply the problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, not no, solving that. It doesn't sound like a good for, idea. Yeah. For quite a while, I'm in connection with Intel, and I would like to switch to USB 3.0 C Thunderbolt. Yeah, it should offer you like 40 gigabits per second. Yeah, Is 40 gigabits per second. That's enough. That's even uh, yeah. enough to upgrade. So. Wow. So you could even go a little nice. bit uh, more on the resolution side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to 10K, 15K. Uh, okay. About so. Why do you think the high visual field is important? Field of vision. Oh, actually, what's your field of vision? It depends how you set it up because sure, you can. But it's more you than, can, than usual. Headset. Yeah, it's more than usual. Uh, it's up to 170 degrees. Okay, that's another advantage. Huh. So now the question is, why do you think? that the high field of vision above, say, 120 degrees is important. And more importantly, why would it be important to visualize 
to make a full rendering in the peripheral vision. Well, you know that there is a lot of going uh, around the eye tracking and yes. around yeah. the, the uh, rendering properly on only the part of the screen so which you are focused on. Yeah. rendering, right? Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. basically that. So therefore, therefore, it looks like you will never, never need to to render fully uh, what's on peripheral mm -hmm. vision. But the point is, when you test our device and then use some other, uh, you will just see how how narrow it is, and uh, you will feel that's not it. I, I I don't want to to use this. Okay, so after the experience with your device, you will still have a tunnel vision <laughs> experience with the Even other in headsets. real life. After yeah. experiencing this headset, I mean, this should be your marketing slogan. After experiencing this headset, even real life will look fake. Uh, <laughs> right? you'll, you'll just be <laughs> accused of uh, <laughs> fake advertisement, fake news. Um, where can people test it? Hmm? In Prague. So in Prague. So in Prague. We, are, we, we will be going to US uh, uh, to VRLA mm -hmm. uh, and we will spend there uh, two weeks before. Uh, when? Uh, from fifth next next month. So April. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So so we will be there. We will be yep. we'll be showcasing. Yep. We will visit some friends, some some industry partners mm -hmm. as well, and mostly in Prague we will be building their nice nice uh, VR lab nice. with a lot of stuff. Uh, including different uh, different tracking system, different controllers, and also different head-mounted displays, so you will be able to compare on one place. Mm -hmm. Are you going to combine it with the body suits or some body full bigger body tracking? We have we have one in mind which we want to use. Yeah. Nice. Um, you mentioned before that there are already some public installations with your headset. Not public, but there are installations in our partners. But ah, to, okay. but to get there, no. you will have to go through the gate okay. with um, security. One question that I would ask you as a representative of the VR hardware people, because that's something that always bothers me, but I'm pretty sure you will have a good answer. Um, I was a developer, a VR developer. I still occasionally develop. And from a perspective of a developer, I kind of want to have a device to play around and then show it to my clients or develop a product out on it. But um, it's usually tough to get a development kit. So either companies usually don't sell it or sell it for a very high price. How do you solve the issue of getting your device out to developers? And why do you think it's not a common um, say it's not a common culture to just, you know, have some kind of application and give to the best developers with the best application and device? It's just too expensive or yeah, yeah, because because the problem with the hardware is yeah. when you are building it in, in low volume, it's really, really expensive. And yeah. even when it's donated by the producer, it's still expensive for the developers. So that's why why the cheapest way is to build a software emulator, but it never solves all yeah, the issues. Exactly. You know, you know how it is. Yeah. Well. What's your stance regards virtual reality in general? So, uh, so I might imagine you have a lot of experience so far. How many people did you test? 34,000? 36,000. Almost 36, yeah. 36,000. Mm, where do you see VR going? Well, even though a lot of people still don't recognize it and will, be, will live happy days with their iPhone till they die, I think that it will change the structure yeah. of the business everywhere. 
I, I can see how it can influence the, the market of real estates yeah. because you, you will just simply buy the headset yeah. instead of buying the big uh, big house uh, near nearby sea. Mm. And there there are a lot of other other things such as working from home, don't buying big screens because you can emulate them. But it's it's going and we will see. We will see. But that the examples that you gave are more convincing for augmented reality. For yeah. both. Because if I need to put the headset on to transport to the nice house C, that means that when I don't have the headset on. I won't. I will see my gray small apartment in the middle of uh, Brooklyn or something. Yeah. So that's still not convincing me to buy a smaller apartment. Yeah, but with the with the augmented reality, uh, when you put on your your AR headset, mm. you will have very nice small apartment, but it wouldn't grow bigger. True. Okay. Um. Well, maybe the last question for today. Um. What's the roadmap of VR engineers, VR engineers, and VRG, like a G? Yeah, G, gangster. I mean, your headset is a gangster, <laughs> like a G. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> now, what's what's the roadmap? Well, it's a usual higher field of view, higher resolution, get rid of the virus. But you don't really want higher resolution. Oh really no, I I won't. I won't. I think two generations and I will be uh I will be able to provide the resolution which you wouldn't be able to recognize instead of real world. So well, yes. it makes perfect sense yes. because um in time people will have higher expectations. Yeah. So you give them now gear VR to the person that never experienced virtual reality, he is going to be amazed. Yep. yep. You give uh, him uh HTC Vive, he is amazed by the fact of interaction. Yep. And if you would show them your device as the first one, they would be just amazed. Not Don't show not it to many people yet. Don't disappoint them. Not more amazed than they are amazed with Vive or with Kiru VR. Yeah. But if you show them your device after they experience both of them, then they understand what you bring and then they understand the advantages of your mm -hmm. device. Mm. I think we just by accident met the Steve Jobs of VR. So you know, everyone is like, yeah, let's make a product, put it on the market that you have, like, without compromise, more pixels. I want more pixels. More pixels. Yeah, you can't see the difference, I want more pixels. Except <laughs> it's difficult to push 14 other engineers. Just yeah. 14 of them. Well, they all I know you too I well. wish you luck because we all secretly dream about our 4 and 5 and 20k headset at home. We all want it. I think there are not many people who except maybe for the argument of performance, would argue that less pixels is better. <laughs> so, so there's just no way that we will yeah. avoid it. We can, so argue, we can argue about the graphics in the game. We can argue about the polygons in the game. We can sure. argue about the accuracy, uh, the, the thing called fidelity. But we cannot argue about, on the hardware level, less pixels. Yes. No, that's definitely true. Now, um, any last words? Famous last words. Famous last words? Yeah. If you are really interested, call you. Call me and see me in Prague or in US. How can people contact you? By the website, hopefully, virgineers.com. Mm -hmm. Very well. Are you on Twitter? Mm, I don't think yet. Okay. You should be. <laughs> um, without further ado, I would say we will stop this awesome, interesting discussion and continue it in one year.
on the next CBIT when you will have your super awesome next device with you. It was a pleasure to have you as a guest. And dear audience, hear you next time. Exactly. Subscribe, help us spread the word, buy the headset, and enjoy your full 6K, 5K experience with the VRG. Tune out. Bye. Bye.